Let's Make It is brought to you by Ting, the new way everyone is getting their cell service. No overage penalties, great rates, keep what you do not use, no contracts, and someone will actually pick up the phone when you need support. Use our link and get $25 off your first month's service or your new phone. Just go to tech-zen.tv ting to save $25. Hello, it is Monday night at 9 p.m. and it is time for another Let's Make It. So here we record Let's Make It every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That would be 6 p.m. on the West Coast and I'm not quite sure, maybe midnight or something like that in uh, UTC, not to go figure that out, I guess. Anyways, it's 9 p.m. and we're actually not quite 9 p.m. We're like 20 minutes early this week because we have something going on here in a little bit that we need to be done for. So we're starting just 20 minutes early. So if you missed us and you weren't in the chat room early uh, and chat with us beforehand, sorry, but um, we just have uh, a little bit of a change this week. This is episode 37 of Let's Make It, recorded on 9-23, that is September 23rd of 2013. And Let's Make It is a show where we talk about all kinds of fun things to make, uh, typically in the electronics realm, uh, a lot of Arduino, uh you know, other type of electronic things like that. But this is the show where we talk about it. And normally I have a co-host, Bob, from Texas, along with me. But tonight um, we are I'm going solo. So, but tonight I have something kind of special. But before I get into that special thing tonight, uh, I do want to talk about one other thing. Uh, so I'm going to hop into that in a second. But first of all, if you uh, want to watch our shows, you can watch them all on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash TV. Love to have you go out there, hit the subscribe button. That definitely helps us out. All of our videos are in playlist format, all different shows, so you can follow a show from beginning to end without any other interruptions. Or if you want to watch other shows that we have, I'm sure you like some of them too, you can definitely uh, watch them as well. And if you're on Twitter, you can contact us on Twitter, direct messages, whatever. Uh, and our Twitter handle is at TechZenTV. And if you're talking about this show, make sure you include the hashtag pound sign. Let's make it. We do monitor those hashtags uh, so we can see where people are talking about us and our show. When we love to see that out there, it definitely is a little bit of an, uh, a boost to us when we see people out there talking. And if you're on Facebook, you can go to Facebook, our Facebook fan page. It's facebook.com slash techzentv. Definitely appreciate if you hop out there and click the like button. Uh, gives us a little bit of a boost as well. And uh, lastly, you can get all of our show notes and watch all the other episodes of, of this show and all of our other shows by going to techzentv. Now, if you want a little bit of a trick, the shortcut to get directly to Let's Make It is if you go to letsmakeit.tv, we take you right to the right place in the site so you don't have to go through the site. You can navigate through there. Also, if you are downloading us via like iTunes or some like Dogcatcher or any of the other uh, popular podcasting platforms out there, be sure you go out there and you give us a rating and a like because that definitely uh, helps us get found, particularly in iTunes. We're really trying to get found in iTunes right now, and anything you can do to help us get up there. And unfortunately, with iTunes, unless you've been found, they won't help people find you, it seems like. So it requires you to have a good rating and, and ratings and comments for people to get found out there to get more of those. So unless you're popular, you don't get popular. It's one of those type of things. So anything you can do to help us get uh, get a little bit of a better boost out there in iTunes, give us a little bit of rating, definitely gives us a, a big, big jump up. If you got a Roku or a TiVo, you can actually watch us on your big screen right from the Roku or the TiVo. Uh, we have Roku app for TechZen TV, you can go out there and you can get that and you can watch all the shows, including this one there. And on TiVo, you can get a season pass uh, and you get regular updates when new shows come out all completely automatically. And there's all kinds of other ways you can get us. We're pretty much everywhere or we're on uh, every podcast director you can think of. We're in TuneIn Radio, on Stitcher, you, you, you name it. We're probably there. And if we're not, let us know. We will get there because we want to be everywhere that's possible to be found. All right, so before I go into the special thing I'm going to do tonight, because you're not going to be interacting with me a lot because something special coming up, but I do want to show you something else. So I've been pondering this, and um, uh, basically a little bit of background is uh, I was uh, asked by my brother and sister-in-law about the maybe getting my 
nephew into doing some basic programming. And we talked about a couple different options and, um, they have some options that they like to do, and I do agree that they're what they were looking to do. But I got thinking about it. How would you teach a young person about electronics, Arduinos, and programming? So I started looking around, and what I found was this book, The Arduino Adventures. And it's actually a story, uh, and the, the uh, it's actually Arduino Adventures Escape from Gemini Station. In this, the... Um, the story is generally two kids that are on like a class field trip get just get broken out from the rest of the group and they get into this area. It's like it's called Gemini Station. It's kind of like um, if you're going to uh, the museum and you get in an area where the museum takes you somewhere and like in history, you know, I can't think of a good example uh, where you get sent into a, another time. And it's kind of what Gemini Station is, is they they get stuck in this station and they got to build these projects to get like to unlock things and to look for heat and things like that. So it's very interesting. It's a story. But in each at the end of each chapter of the story, there's things they have to learn. So uh, this is the book right here. Um, it's James Floyd Kelly and, and Harold, uh, Timisus, I guess how you say it, Timis, Timis, T-I-M-M-I-S. And, uh, let me go through real quick here and I want to read, uh, give you a couple of the things that they, they do in here. So let's see, here's the parts of this. For example, you learn how potentiometer works. It is an LED flashlight, a temperature detector, a motor control, a motion detector, a servo motor control light sensing motor control, and then build your own robot. And they do actually have you build a robot at the end of this. So this is all, they learn how to do all this stuff through the book, through doing these challenges at the end of each chapter. And some of the the uh, chapters are like uh, the Hulk. Let's see. Um, Carousel Ride. Let's see. Hide and Seek. I'm going back to the uninvited guest, damage assessment. So there's always different. These are the different cha- chapters that they they do. Um, anyways, it's a really good book, and it's it teaches basic stuff. It doesn't go into a lot of electronic theory. In fact, it doesn't goes into no electronic theory. It is basically tells you how to hook it up and then how to and understand the programming uh, behind it. So it doesn't teach like Ohm's law or anything like that. Uh, it's a completely separate subject. However, it does have, and I found well, I got the book. They were there selling a kit. Now, what I found out later on wasn't the kit wasn't part of the book, wasn't the same people. Uh, but I'm going to go show you the kit. And in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have done it, and I'll explain why uh, when I go through it. But let me do the first part of the kit here. Let me get put the book down over here, and let me go back to this. So this is the I said about they make a robot. So this is a robot kit for lack of a better word if you uh if you may be familiar with the name in fact if you go look it up on google or you go uh, to amazon and look it up it's the magician chassis and it basically is a robot you can see there it has uh, the chassis uh has two tires two motors a bunch of uh standoffs to connect everything together and you will see also um where to go i don't actually i don't oh yeah there it is it's not really a uh, caster per se, but it's like a round ball and a metal thing. It basically goes any direction. So you basically steer by using you know two wheels, and then this wheel goes any direction. So you can go forward in one and back on the other turn to turn things like that. But anyways, that's that's part of the kit that I was included. Now this kit was like seventy or eighty dollars. It was a little little expensive for everything that's in it. Uh, this you can get off of Amazon for like twenty four dollars or something like that. I have another one of these, and I'm actually going to use it for all my upcoming episodes about uh, building robots so but let me show you everything else that came in the kit and some things i like and some things i don't like about it so this is the kit right here and i'm going to open it up here and go through each thing individually you can see off the top right there that there are two breadboards actually there's three so these are our clear breadboards i don't really care what color breadboards are breadboard to me um so there's Two clear breadboards. And there's another one in here somewhere I'll get to. It's a lot smaller. It's like the ones we sell, kind of. All right, so we're going to go through the list here. Here is a pack of five green LEDs, five millimeter LEDs. Here is a trim pot. I don't know if you can see in there the blue trim pot, same one that we use. Uh, again, it's like a few 30 cents, maybe, something like that, for one of those. 
so we're up to maybe three dollars worth of parts so far all right here's the part a little confusing to me they give you this battery thing this is four double a's but it's square uh i'm gonna save this for a second all right so we have this infrared sensor or motion sensor uh we did an episode on motion sensors those are a couple bucks so we have the 10 millimeter led we have a buzzer we have a DC motor. Uh, we have these um, terminal connectors, which, uh, you know, I had those in inventory. I could have pulled those out of inventory. Actually, most of the stuff so far, I actually have an inventory I could have pulled out, except for maybe the uh, the motion sensor. All right, here's the other breadboard. It's the same ones that we sell uh, on our development kit board, where this is attached to the development kit board. I'm not quite sure what the, th the third one's for. All right, so we have a 100 ohm resistor. There's 10 of those in there. So there's a 60 cents or more. All right, so last week we talked about the H293D H-Bridge. There's one of those. That's the one used for motor control right there. Uh, here's the other battery, flat four, uh, four away. I'm not quite sure the reason behind the flat four versus the square four, but whatever. Okay, so we're going to keep on going here. Uh, we have a 9-volt battery connector. Uh, we have the all-famous 10K all-purpose resistor. Just 10 of those in there. Uh, we have the little jumper. There's about 6 cents right there. The bag probably costs more than that. Uh, what's this one? Temperature sensor. This is the common... Um, Oh, no, it's not quite so common. This is the TMP36, which I'm not quite sure what that is. It isn't the TI, popular TI chip, but it probably works exactly the same. Uh, we have another 9-volt battery connector. Again, not sure exactly why. Uh, we have, uh, looks like, five buttons, push buttons, which I'll have a few hundred of those sitting down in the bin out here. And let's see, we got 5-millimeter uh, red LEDs, five of those. We have a servo, a very tiny servo. Uh, I am not quite sure if it does any function or just for learning, but uh, those are rather inexpensive as well. Okay, and let's keep on going here. I'll save that one. So we have uh, 330 ohm resistors, probably for the LEDs, which uh, is more than needed for that. I mean, 270s work really good, but that, they work fine. We have a, another chip here, SN74FO4, which I haven't gone and looked it up and seen what it is. Um, I'm guessing it's some kind of opto-isolator, isolator, probably for the motor controller. Um, let's see, we have... What's the header? A uh, stackable header. So basically it's a long pins with holes on top. Then we have, let's see, we have a photo cell. So we're getting down there finally. We have jumper cables, like we have, you know, thousands of in the other room, in the bags ready to be sold. We have a USB cable right there. And the reason for the USB cable is this, which is one of my biggest complaints about this whole thing. It comes with this Arduino, this tiny, tiny little Arduino. It is a smart core U, so you can see it's tiny. The thing is, to be able to work with anything jumper-wise, you need to add this to it. So you can see on this in here, you see the white plugs. And if you look at this, you see the white plugs on the back. So you attach this board to this board to make an Arduino. Well, that to me means trouble. Connections that could come off and not be tightly integrated, and you never know it, and you got to attach something to this to get to work. I think I'm just going to send them an Arduino Uno uh, in addition, I'll probably give them this stuff too, but the Arduino Uno and just tell them to use it versus using uh, the small thing in this because that just to me seems like a uh, possible problem somewhere. So anyways, that was the kit that I bought. So my whole thing with is after, after I got it and I saw what was in it, uh, and actually it does tell you in the back of the book everything you need, but I didn't have the book at the time. I just saw the kit goes with the book. So I bought them together um, when I got them on Amazon. So I got, you know, both of them together. However, it probably would cost half as much to just get the parts yourself. 
Um, if you're if you don't have access to all, all the parts, then yeah, maybe okay. But uh, most of the parts that are in there, we have for sale anyways, uh, and I have them in inventory with a, a few exceptions to that. Um, so in hindsight, I probably would have just gone and gotten the parts myself versus going and uh, buying the kit, and I would have gotten a regular Arduino, not that tiny little thing that's going to be. Uh, could be easily disconnected and and misconnected and things like that. So anyways, it's a very cool idea. Teach a story and they'll be interested in it through the story and doing the projects. Like I said, it doesn't teach any electronics theory. Um, at least not, not that I can remember. Cause I read the book. Um, I read it you know, fairly quickly, but, uh, it does teach the Arduino. It pretty much tells you connect it like this and put this code in and it's, you know, gives you some teaching around the Arduino itself. But it uh, doesn't go much into the actual electronic theory at all. All right, so that is it for that segment. So uh, I do just want to remind everybody that we do do this show live at 9 p.m. every Monday. And you can come into the chat room and chat with us. We're a little bit early today. We're still five minutes away from our normal start time. We started like 20 minutes early uh, just because we have some other things that are going on and we need to get done a little bit early tonight. So, But the next segment, I'm actually... I've already pre-recorded it. So as you may have already heard, I have been doing some surface mount. I've been learning to surface mount solder because a lot of things I've been designing uh, needed some very small parts to keep the size down. And uh, it's the first time I've ever designed a board with surface mount from the last couple of things that I've created. Actually, I've probably created close to 30 different boards now and uh, using, using surface mount type parts on it. But when I first started learning kind of surface mount, I was reading all about it. And the first time I did it, I got the wrong solder. I'm going to show you that in this video as well. The solder you don't want to buy. And in fact, I still haven't figured out what the solder is actually used for because it never, ever melted uh, on how I'm, how, I'm cooking, how I'm trying to cook it, at least. It only melted with a soldering iron. Um, so I've done, then I've gone through and I got the right solder from a place that sells the solder. But the solder is kind of expensive. It's like $60 a tube. However, I've got, and I got three tubes. I've done probably close to 40 boards now, and I probably haven't used a quarter of the first tube yet. So it goes a long way because it takes very little. In fact, that's some of the first mistakes that I made was putting too much solder on these boards, thinking it needed the amount of solder. It takes very, very little solder to actually to flow solder. So these videos that are coming up um, are going to show you my progression in this and how I'm doing it and some of the mistakes that I've made. And I'm going to come back. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it when the video is done. So let's go watch the video right now. Okay, so I want to give a little bit of a story here. Um, I've recently started developing something that I needed to do some surface mount. And for a couple of reasons, I need to save some space. Um, and some of the things that I actually, one of the chips I wanted to use was only available in surface mount, which is the first I've ever had that happen. But I want to today show you how to surface mount. So what you're looking at right now is a table. This is an old kitchen table um, that we had in the kitchen in the old house. But in the new house, it's just downstairs here in the, the big room downstairs. So what I'm going to first of all recommend is you need a flat surface to work on uh, in a fairly large area and I'll show you why here shortly because um, it looks like a real mess. Actually let me go ahead and I'll widen this out here and I'll show you uh, the mess that exists here in doing this process. So you see the table and if you look over here you see all these bins of parts and the extension cords I keep blowing the breaker on the one right next to me with this thing and you see the griddle which is what I've been using recently for the griddle however if you look up here you can see a, a toaster oven that I'm going to start doing some reflow on toaster oven and I'll do another video but before I go into all this I want to show you some of the things that I used to do this and some of the differences between surface mount and uh, through hole which is what you know most soldering is let me go back down here so first of all I'm going to show you some mistakes I make because I made some pretty major mistakes and hopefully I can help some of you maybe avoid some of the mistakes um, that I may make it just kind of square back up again. Okay, so first of all, here's one of these surface mount boards, and this is one that I've ruined. So first of all, you'll notice that there are some through holes here, and these are for buttons. These are for broadcast buttons and KKA broadcast buttons. But over here, you see all these little pads. These are actually, well, there's two resistors. These are chips and uh, things like that. Now, this is not a good representation of how small it really is. I'm going to show you that here in a second. But with surface mount, you only need to use one side. So the advantage of that is, on the other side of the board, there's no hole. So you can put other things over here, other surface mount stuff, or if you've got a button that, um, like in the case of these NKK buttons, they're fairly large and they've got a big base on them, but there's nothing on the other side they're going to hit as far as a chip goes. So it's just it's a great way of, um, of saving some space, doing one side, to put more parts on the board, 
which ended up being I needed a really compact board, so that's why I've gone this way. And actually, I really like it, so I'm doing a lot more of this now, uh, now that I've figured it out. But you see that right there uh, on this bottom chip right here, if I can get the focus or not. See all that big blob of solder? When I put the solder on there, it wasn't that much solder. It's, in fact, it was so little I thought it wasn't enough still. And you can see the mess that it made. Now you'll see in there a couple runs that are crooked and a couple runs that are missing. That's because when I got done with this, I needed to clean it up. And to clean it up, I was using solder wick. And the solder wick just ripped it right off. They're very, very thin because they're, they're not through hole. There's only on one side in the, in the copper on the board. It's very thin. So you can ruin these boards very easy. This board is definitely ruined. Uh, and if you look at it a little bit farther, you can see, so to get the focus, a couple other places where I got these big chunks of solder. Right there, I started the whole way across. And it didn't look like enough solder. So one of the things I'm going to say is you don't hardly need any solder. So th this was also um, a board that used the wrong kind of solder. So let me talk about that a little bit. So when I first started doing this, I went out to um, Amazon and said I wanted uh, surface mount solder, liquid solder. That's what this is right here. came from Amazon. came in a little syringe just like this. Everything I was reading online said it comes in a syringe. I thought, okay, that's the probably the right stuff. I will tell you, this stuff does not melt unless you have a full-blown soldering iron on it. it. I sat on this griddle, and I actually ruined parts trying to get it to melt. So much so that I actually went out thinking I was doing something wrong and bought this heat gun, which did solve the problem. However, it melted the board to get it so hot for the solder. So my only thinking is this is actually jewelry solder. Even though it said it was electronic solder, they probably didn't know what they were selling. So it does come in a syringe, and... It comes refrigerated. So let me get you show you the real stuff here. Let me grab it here. And I'll put a link to where I got this. But this is how it really comes. And it's refrigerated. It needs to stay refrigerated. And it comes in a tube just like this. Now, one thing is it doesn't come with a tip. So when you order it, make sure you order a tip. And when I first got it, uh, the one thing I didn't order, I'm thinking it had a plunger attached. It was a plunger. I do have now gotten one. But I will tell you, a pen uh, pushed in the back and held safely in your hand works fine. Now here's the plunger. And it goes in like that. It doesn't, I don't think it screws in. It doesn't screw in. There's no screws to screw it in. So it just pushes in the back. But you take your finger and you push. Uh, I have different tips. I This is the smallest tip that I have. And if I could get a smaller one, I would probably get a smaller one. Um, the other one I have is a little bit bigger. Um, not much, though. They're pretty close. So uh, I just looked at it right here. So you'll see I keep it in a bag. And the reason I keep this in a bag is because it is very toxic if you would ingest it or get it on your skin. Um, I have gotten it on my skin. Um, and you'll see I'm going to use uh, my fingers to do this. I just make sure I wash my hands shortly after I get done uh, to get it off. So... Being that it's toxic, um, I'm going to use a griddle. Saying that means the griddle can no longer be used for food, ever. Uh, because this is going to be on the griddle, uh, and it's not good for people to eat. So, uh, the reason you keep it refrigerated is because it lasts longer, and uh, it comes in a box with the freezer packs around it and all bundled up. Uh, when it got here, it, was, it wasn't frozen or it wasn't cold, really cold anymore, but it was cool. So, we do keep it in the refrigerator, we'll keep it standing up. And I got three, uh, three of these syringes. I have probably done 50 boards now, and that's all I've used of the syringe. So it goes a long, long way. So uh, I'll put a link to where I got the solder from. The company I got it from, they're great to work with. However, they're just a little bit slow in delivery. Um, but that's fine. Just make sure you plan for that. So uh, I'm going to show you the griddle option here shortly as well. But well, before we get into this, I'm actually going to put something together, and then I'm going to uh, time-lapse through it. But here's the, a difference in size. So this will give you an example. These chips are the same chips. This chip is actually wider than the board that I wanted right there. So this chip on there is the exact same chip, it's just a different uh, format. So you can see how much space that that saves right there. And uh, I want to say how small some of these parts are. I mean, that's, that chip, yes, is small, but uh, I'm going to do one that uh, hopefully you can see. Uh, let me get the tweezers out here because I can't hold it with my fingers. I can put it on my finger maybe. But this is a capacitor. It's in here. You probably can't see it. It's actually right there. Right there. That little dot is the capacitor. I'm going to put it onto my finger. Hopefully it'll focus. If I can get hold of it. Okay. So let me put it onto my finger. So there's my finger. 
So there, you can see it on my finger. That's how small some of these parts are that we work with. So I keep getting it. That's in focus. See how small it is. You can see my fingerprint. You know, it almost fits into my fingerprint. So um, some of them aren't that small, but let me give you another example. Uh, if you've done things with the resistor arrays before, or resistor networks, this is a resistor network. Uh, this is a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, an eight pin resistor network. So you see how big that is? Uh, let me get one of these. And this stuff all comes in these uh, strips like this. So you got to basically peel back the paper. If you had a pick and place machine, it would just pull, you know, do all this stuff for you. But I am the pick and place machine. All right, so that one came out pretty easy. Grab this. So here's the difference in size of these two resistor network right there and resistor network rate focus please right there so this and this are the same thing so you can see how much space that saves so that's the reason you it's about for surface mounting um, it is very interesting how it works um, I've still been reading a lot online and I'm definitely still learning but I can definitely show you the things not to do like I said I ruined this whole board, first of all, for the wrong solder and the amount of solder. And um, I'll show you the board. I'm going to put together a board, uh, and so I'm going to you know, time-lapse through it. But uh, I'll show you afterwards. You can barely tell the solder on it is a tiny, tiny little dot. So a couple of tools. Because um, the thing is so tiny, you need a magnifying glass. So I ordered one of these off Amazon. I used to have one as a kid somewhere, but I sure couldn't find it. Um, it doesn't have to be this fancy. I didn't know it was that fancy when I ordered it. But, however... I don't recommend this because it takes up your hand. So what um, I've actually gotten, and it works very well, is a headset like this that you wear on your head. Looks a little geeky, but uh, this is adjustable. It has a light on. I didn't know how to light on. I wasn't. I don't want to use the light very much. But you can uh, turn it back. You can turn uh, the power back by dropping that down, and you can turn up the power on one eye by bringing that down in front. And I do use this one quite a bit when I'm looking to make sure that no solder drums happen. So I do check every board out very closely because um, I want to make sure I don't turn it on and blow, blow a chip if I, if I got to jump across it. But this works very good. Um, like I said, it looks a little geeky, but works very well. Uh, also, tweezers. Now, let me just say I've learned a lesson on tweezers, too. First of all, I used tweezers from the bathroom the first time. And they, they have this little rough thing in there, I guess, for grabbing one of the hairs when you pull them out of your eyebrows. But um, they don't work well. They don't, chips don't let go of it. These are very smooth on the end. You can see, uh, I won't focus on it, but um, these are very smooth on the end. I'm just going to get the focus this way. There we go. So they're very tippy. And I got a couple different kinds of these. I also ended up getting some electronic ones, but they're plastic. And you see what happened to the end? I'm dealing with 400, 400 degrees plus temperatures here, so it just melted to the tip of the end. So don't get plastic ones. Uh, another lesson learned. Um, and I'll put links to these because these are actually very good, very smooth, and they come with different, I have some in the other room too. Uh, they aren't quite so pointy uh, that I use for doing some of this, but um, I also say it's important they come with a little cover that goes on the end, this little tip. Um, not that I've ruined any yet, but I can see how these little tips can get ruined and this little white thing goes on the end. It helps protect them so they don't get bent. So, um, things you all things you're going to need, I, I have this... Um, as a temperature, it's a laser temper, temperature, because the griddle, you know, I said for a certain temperature, doesn't necessarily always meet the temperature, and doesn't, and also it doesn't heat evenly, which is a problem um, I'm going to talk about when I when I do this. And part of the reason I'm going to look at a reflow oven, uh, making an oven out of an old oven that we don't use anymore. So um, I think that's uh, pretty much it, and you're just going to see me go through and put solder down, and I'll show you after I get the solder down what it looks like, and then I'll put the parts on it, and you'll show you what it looks like, and then we'll go through and we'll actually reflow it on the uh, the oven here. And one other thing before I get started here, um, it's good ventilation because this stuff is toxic, like I said. It, the oven, uh, the griddle does get very hot. You'll see me sitting here kind of close to it, and I shouldn't do that. And I can always tell when I do it, because I feel, feel so good afterwards. feel like i got a cough and stuff. So definitely uh, want to make sure you have good ventilation. Uh, I have a fan in the other room that I use when I do this uh, to help with that a little bit. All right, let me get this out of the way. And we'll get started on the board.
So you can see, very, very So as you can see, very little solder. I mean, you can almost barely tell it's on there. Um, if you can tell by turning it sideways, no, it doesn't work well. I don't have good lighting out here. Is the problem? Um, also, you notice I'm using my headlamp, which I said I don't use very often, but the sun's not out today, and I'm in front of a window, which normally it's it's out. I've been using it a lot when it's out, so I can see a lot better. But today I couldn't. So that's it for that. Now I'm going to start putting the parts on, which is a little bit more tedious process than that. You may have noticed my fingers are jump a little bit because it does take quite a bit of pressure and holding the pressure like that my thumbs just aren't up to that yet. So I'm going to start putting parts on now. Okay, so now you see me putting on the griddle, and <clears throat> the griddle's not on yet, obviously, because I'm touching it, but I moved the griddle over closer to the edge of the table so you can see it, and also you can see the marks on the griddle, that's from solder, that's why you can't ever use the griddle again for cooking, but uh, you just watched me put this on, you saw me miss putting solder on one of the spots, uh, and I actually put it one place I wasn't going to put apart, but 
it won't hurt anything. And uh, I'm getting ready to turn. I'm going to go ahead and plug this in. Now, the other thing I sh mentioned we should have around for tools is a paper towel uh, called paper towels. So first of all, the tip of that uh, syringe does get a little gunky sometimes, so it's good to clean it off so you get a nice clean on there. But also things sit it down on, like you notice I put it, came back and got it. It's because it's sitting next to me, and I set it on paper towels so it didn't get off the table. But um, it's also nice to be able, if you mess up with one of these, you just wipe it off and put it back on again. So um, I might have one of the chips that has a little bit too much on it, but it would be a good example of what happens whenever it jumps. So I'm going to go ahead and plug in the, um, the griddle. I do unplug it every time just to be safe. And then I'm going to turn it on right now for 200 and about 250 degrees. Uh, because if you look at reflow, they generally tell you to heat it up before you go up to that level. That allows everything to flow evenly. Uh, it does seem like it works a little bit nicer than just trying to get the whole way up to um, to 400, which this girl's top temperature is 400. And it should be like 450 probably for our real good solder, but it does get hotter than 400. And that's why sometimes the heat gun just helps to augment that. So um, I will fast forward this to this section. Okay, so you just saw me check it, um, and it is time to go to full temperature. So let's go ahead and turn it all the way up to 400. Well, let me just say this griddle isn't um, maybe normal for a griddle, but it's not evenly heated. You may, if you can tell, I'll see if I can draw a line. But around this right here, I don't know how much of that you saw, but there's actually. Um, a mark on the griddle where I think the heating element itself is. So I have this sitting on top of the heating element directly. Uh, it, the other areas outside of that strip take a lot longer to get warm. So something that I've learned by using this griddle. And I can see I can see on the griddle where the where it's hot. So okay, I'm gonna try to zoom this in a little bit so you can start seeing a little bit what's gonna happen. You're going to start seeing the solder change color. Let's see if I said stuff it focuses. So when it changes color, that's it's starting to set up, and uh, it eventually turns silver, which is when it starts to flow. We'll leave it like that for a little while. See what's it at right now, temperature-wise. It's at 396, so it's still warming up. Not quite there yet. Okay, it's getting there. You see it's starting to silver up. And I'm not sure where I'm zoomed in on, but sometimes if you watch this, you will see... Right, it's 417, so it's not quite the whole way up yet. Um, sometimes you'll see that the parts actually move because the surface temperature, of the surface... What is it? Surface tension of the solder brings things back into line again. So I'm going to get a little closer here, and it actually gets very warm, so you got to be very careful not to burn yourself. It's a little closer than normal, too, so you got to be a little extra careful. But I'm going to look here and see how things are looking without trying to burn myself. Um, good so far. Still not quite melted the whole way.
getting very, very close. Actually, that chip looks like maybe it is done. This one over here is not quite done. Okay, let me check the temperature. And... We're at 4.38, so probably only a minute yet, and then I'll go ahead and turn the griddle off, and we'll let it start cooling down. Okay, so we're almost there. Um, I'm going to move one ship just slightly. It's very hard to do when it's hot like this, but otherwise I've got to heat it back up there. Oops, too far. That's part of the problem with doing it when it's so hot. It just moves so easy. So let me fix this. It's very weird because I don't have very much to... Uh, I'm going to move it to where I can get too easy. I'll put it back over the camera. Now I can work on it much easier. There we go. That one chip was just slightly crooked. So, I'm going to make sure to leave that one. That was good. And that was good. Okay, so. Here we are. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, turn the griddle off because everything looks like it's flowed good. And I'm going to widen back out here. Just like that. And we'll let it sit for a couple minutes and then we're going to pull it off. And uh, the table that I'm using here is actually uh, from the 70s or probably before maybe. And so it's a very thick wood and it actually is very good at dissipating heat. So. I don't let it cool down really long before I take it off of here. I just, um, I'll probably take it down to into 300s or so, uh, so that the solder is a little more solid, and then I pull it off. And I actually put it on the table because I don't like the parts being this hot this long, so. Um, current temperature is 419, so we'll wait for a minute or so and then we'll yank it off. Okay, so we're down into 350s now, so this is a good time probably to go ahead and pull it off. Let me go ahead and pull it off. And actually, I have the griddle backwards, so I generally pull it off this direction. So let me reach across there and grab it. And I'm going to set it down here on the table, just like that. I push this back out of the way. So there is the board, and it's still very warm. Too warm for me to touch it. Let me see what temperature it is. Down 104 to 1 already, so the, the definitely the table cools it off nice and quickly. And there are some parts of the board that will remain hot for a little longer than others. This board doesn't have a lot of copper on it, but the ones that are copper filled take a lot longer to cool down. And then in a second here, I'll move it somewhere uh, somewhere else on the table. 125, so I'll go ahead and move it somewhere else just to, to help get cool area because that area is really warm.
let's see. Yeah, see, that's easy. easy to hold my hand on that one, so it's definitely going down. And maybe enough to, to touch it. I just touched it and it didn't seem too bad, so let me see. Yeah, it's 83 degrees, so some parts are still a little warm, but I can probably hold it. So, let's see. The next step is to inspect everything very closely, and I, I inspect things a couple of times just because um, this is so very new and I want to make sure everything works. And I'll actually take uh, a multimeter and go into resistance mode. So I know these are 270 ohms. I will put uh, something here and something on that on the jumper right there um, just to make sure that uh, the chips are all soldered in properly. And I'll check out the chips to where they go, and um, I'm pretty... Detail about making sure the board's okay, but um, let me look at it really quick here. Now, so I can find any jumps or anything, and point them out. No jumps on that one. I don't think it's a jump, but it's uh, not perfectly aligned. I don't see it touching on the pin, so I think we're okay. I don't see any jumps really. Oh wait, did that jump right there? All right, well maybe I see one that's I have to look at. I'll clean it up just to make sure, uh, and I'll see if I can get this on camera or not. Let's see. Can you focus on this? Um, no, it's not going to focus. But right here on this end, if you look down there, there's some things that are almost a jump, and I don't like that, so I will take solder wick. Basically, put a little solder on the end of the end of the soldering iron, lay the solder work on, and go down really tight and go the whole way across this, and that'll level out all that. Um, just to be just to be good. I'm gonna put the other resistors and everything, make sure they're okay. Yeah, they all look good. They're all on there tight. Capacitors are on there tight. So yeah, we're well, all good. This board's done. So we'll go in and we'll check it out and uh, make sure it's all electrically safe before we assemble it any farther. But that's surface mounting. So um, I've decided that I'm going to go ahead and do one more board. And I'm not going to talk through it. Gonna, you're going to see me put anything on. But then I'm going to get to the reflow oven. I've never used the reflow oven before, but while we were doing this, I put it together. <laughs> it was really that easy. So I'm going to maybe try to reflow something and you get to see it uh, either fail or work on the first try. Okay, so what you see here is an old oven from our old kitchen that my wife graciously donated because we have another one. Um, and I've never used this before to do reflow. However, I've mentioned before in the show about the reflow Leo thing that I have, and I hooked it up to this oven. And I did, I did run it once, but nothing, nothing in it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and put this board in there, and we're going to let it run through its cycle and see how it comes out. Now the thing is, I won't be able to see what it's doing as easy because with the griddle you can see it, test temperature, things like that. So, let me be very gentle with this board. 
and I put it into the oven. Just like that. And now we're going to push it in. Still a little warm for my test. And we're going to go ahead and run this. and the oven's on. So we'll see what it does. So as you can probably tell, let me see if I can show this to you. It's still a little warm. But if you look at this, let me see what I'm showing you here. You can probably tell it got a little baked. So it wasn't an oven, but look how dark it got. So um, that's definitely way too much heat. And the profile that came with this Reflio Thing cannot be right. I don't know if the board's even any good anymore. I'll check it and then I see. But it's uh, it's pretty well baked. It's solid again, so um, it may just be that the oven itself has that on top. The broil thing, which I had broil turned off, but the broil thing came on, so we'll have to check and see if maybe you can figure out to get the broil to turn off and on. But that may be what it was. But otherwise, looking at it, let me look a little closer here. solder joints on this thing look really nice. So it does a nice job at doing the soldering. It just it burnt the board. It browned the board. So we'll have to figure that part of it out. But looking at the solder joints, it looks really nice. So I'll test it out and I'll let you know if it worked or didn't. Okay, as you can probably see, that video was made over a couple different time periods of me um, soldering and stuff like that. And uh, as you can see, I'm currently using a griddle so when I was researching this, I had found that, uh, some stuff online that said use a griddle because it's safer for the parts because the parts can actually evacuate some of the heat a little bit better. But I did talk about heating it up slowly. Uh, and I basically go to 150 and the 250. And when it gets to 250, I go ahead and crank it up the whole way. Uh, so it does heat up slow. Uh, the reason for that is that the parts heat up too fast. They do what's called tombstoning where one end will pop up and the other end will be down and um, they don't get good connections which is probably part of what I had with my first one, uh, but also had some of the, the weird solder still in there. And uh, when you, the thing about, I mentioned before about just a tiny bit of solder, I'm just now getting to the point where when I put chips on, I'm getting the right amount of solder. I tend to put too much solder on them just because it feels like it needs it when I'm putting it on. It's not that much there, uh, but it doesn't take much. In fact, if you put too much, what happens is they bubble up together and you get jumps across them. And for the first 20 boards, I bet I had at least one jump for the first couple, I had a lot more than one uh, on the chips, and that's because the pins are so close. So what you have to do in that case, you take solder wick, uh, a little bit of solder on the tip of the soldering iron, heat it up, and go very slow across it as you pull it up, um, and that tends to get off all that stuff and works works really well. Um, the The first board that I made, the first board ever, um, I actually ruined the board because when I was trying to clean off the solder, which was the, the solder that I couldn't get the flow, um, I was going across with solder wick. The runs on the board stuck to the solder wick uh, because they were so small, so small and tiny. So I basically ruined one of the boards in that process. So again, it's been a huge learning curve for me, although it's getting much easier. Now, one of the things in there on the video that I was talking about is the Reflow or the Reflow Leo. And that's something I got from 
from Kickstarter and you saw the oven sitting there and that I have to drill a hole in the oven yet. I haven't used the oven, but I think the oven may work a little bit better because it keeps the heat on top. I used the griddle so the heat didn't stay on top, but I think for it to flow a little easier, I need to go ahead and close it in so the whole area is warm and then just open the oven up and let it cool out in the open air, uh, kind of like I do with the griddle when I turn the griddle off. So the other thing you would notice, and I didn't really show you so much in the video, was I have a heat gun there. And sometimes if it if something doesn't look it's flowing right, but it's really hot, I don't like keeping the hot the chip hot for very long, I'll take that hot gun or the heat gun and turn it on and go across the top real quickly just to make sure everything's flowing. And then I'll turn it off and then I'll move, remove the board from the heat uh, so the chip doesn't get too hot because I'm trying to keep the chips within the temp right temperature range. And that's one of the things that the Reflow Leo thing does is it has a, a sensor in the in the oven which i need to drill a hole a hole for yet but it watches the temperature and knows what the safe range is and you put a profile in saying heating up to this level first stay here for a minute then go on to this level and then heat safe for a minute or whatever the whatever the pattern is you want to use you you put that in there and it'll it'll follow the pattern and that controls the the right heat level and everything so that's the whole idea of the reflow leo so that's my next step is to get into the reflow leo and get that stuff all all working so uh, maybe I can get that past or do another video, but um, it's come a long way. It's actually very interesting because it does look very, very professional. Um, my first few, um, what's funny is when it gets hot enough that starts to flow, everything kind of lines up. So if you got a resistor on the crooked, it'll come straight. It might not come perfectly straight, but it'll come straight. But the parts are very, very tiny. As you know, if you could see in the video with parts I was picking up to put on there, but they are super, super tiny. In fact, the magnifying glasses that I'm wearing are definitely a requirement because you can't see where things go without them. Uh, in fact, the chips, you can't tell if you got them upside down or not when you're putting them on uh, if you don't have those, those on. And you can also notice there's a little round thing on there. That is needed sometimes, especially if you're looking at the pins for jumps. That's what you got to use to see because the pins are just so, so small on those, uh, those chips and so close together. So it takes a really close inspection to be able to see if you have a jumper or not. Uh, across those uh, you can test for it obviously and you know, it's part of the part of this is me testing them e extensively whenever i get done with this uh each, each board i go through with the and uh use leds to test things uh, i have a almost a built up a little test kit now for testing those kind of boards because they're they're so prone to have uh have problems if you don't get them right now the last couple i've done have come out really good now i've even started developing some shields now um these are mainly the the button shield. So you know I've been doing a lot with broadcast buttons, um, especially for like the the control surface that I'm building. But I wanted something that was easier than building a whole box. I just wanted to be able to do something really quick and write code in Arduino uh, to do something quick. So I've actually developed shields now that, that can do up to eight buttons at a time on a shield. And basically it goes, so it would go Arduino, Ethernet, and then this would go on top of it. And you just get a regular Arduino box and cut the holes out where you need it. And then you have your broadcast box. I have a few things I want to do with those type of shields um, that are really quick. One of them in here is right now you see I have an iPad uh, next to me here. Actually, there's a bag here. This is the bag that the came in. But uh, the iPad, and it controls my audio board. But sometimes it's a little hard to get around in. What I'd like to be able to have is a box here. So if I have to cough, which tonight, unfortunately, I've been having a coughing spell a few times, I would like to be able to hit a button here and mute myself. It's basically called a cough switch. But I could do, an, or do that all with an Arduino. The other thing I'd like it to be able to do is we have an audio subgroup. So if Bob's on with me and we're running a video, I can mute us. I can do it on the iPad right now, but it's a little pain. You have to go through different things to get there. But I'd like to make it one button. It'd mute us so we could talk to each other while the video is running. Uh, without you guys, you know, actually us interrupting the video that we're that we're running. So there's a couple of things like that I like to do in here, and I like to be able to do something quick with an Arduino. Grab an Arduino Uno, an Ethernet shield, and one of these boards. Put a couple of buttons on it the way I want. Label them, and then write write, a, write uh, some code for it. Upload it, stick it in a box, and have it sit here. And not have to go through the whole. Um, the broadcast buttons work great, but they're all I2C and they run cables between them, and um, that's just a lot of work just for a tiny you know, one or two buttons on a box. That's why I created these other button shields. So anyways, those button shields are all using surface mount because the buttons are big enough that they, if you run eight buttons, it pretty much uses the whole shield space. There's nowhere to put through whole resistors on there. So what I've done is taken surface mount and stuck it on the bottom. So I'm even starting to make shields now with surface mounts on it. Anything we do with, as far as a kit to sell to people, we're going to obviously use through hole because not everybody can solder or wants to solder. 
surface mount. So we'll use through hole for any of our kits or things like that and those kind of shields. But now I'm starting to, to realize the benefits of the saved space plus a, plus on the, the surface mount. They're actually, some of them on the bottom of where the switches are actually located on top. So it's like you get two parts for the space of one uh, when you use through hole stuff because they can fit, you know, places where um, instead of going through a hole, they wouldn't be able to fit. It's very interesting. It's actually been very, uh, very fun to learn. It's a little frustrating at first, but now that I've done it you know, enough, I'm, I'm starting to catch on to it. So anyways, I thought it'd be interesting to see, show you that video. Uh, so before we go, we um, want to remind you again that we do normally record at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. We started like 20 minutes early this week, and I see we have people coming into the chat room uh, now. Uh, Vintage Volt is in there, and let's see who else. Like being Bob may even be in there. So Vintage Volch is in there. Sorry, Vintage Volch. We started a little bit early tonight. Uh, we're coming to the end um, and uh, starting to finish up here. Anyways, we normally do every Monday night at 9 p.m. We started like 20 minutes early this week, and then we included the video in there as well. So um, next week we'll be back at the, the 9 p.m. time. And uh, this is episode 37, recorded on September 23rd, 2013. Um, whoops. Too many things going on at once. You can view all the videos uh, for TechZenTV at youtube.com slash TechZenTV. We do have all of our shows um, in the playlist format, so you can just watch whatever show that you want out there. And uh, if you want to tweet about us, at TechZenTV, hashtag pound sign, let's make it. And uh, facebook.com slash TechZenTV. All right. That is it for this week. We'll see you all next Monday at 9 p.m. For show notes for this show, contacts, and more, go to the techzen.tv website where you can get show notes for all of our shows. We love to hear from our viewers and listeners. We have an email, a Twitter, and a phone number where you can contact us for each show. For details, visit the techzen.tv website and get the show details. You can also make a video and upload it somewhere like YouTube or Vimeo and then just send us a link. You never know, you may see your video in a future show. You can get all of our shows delivered automatically to your favorite device by going to your favorite podcast website like iTunes and subscribing. Each of our shows also has a YouTube channel you can subscribe to to get regular updates. Our shows are also available on most internet radio networks like Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. You can also watch and listen to our shows on Xbox, TiVo, and Roku. You can even find us on your Zoom.